So uh, what you been, what you have got going on today, Kay? What, you know, I, we talk to Sean all the time, and I know Sean's in the UK, but I don't think I've ever asked you. Um, I'm in the southwest, southwestern part of the United States. Where are you located? I am in the northeast. I'm in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Right on. That's where all my relatives are. I've got relatives up in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Uh, so same area. I'm up there often, actually. Well, I try to get out there. It's been a couple of years. Well, if you are here anytime next time, let me know. You know, we can catch up for a coffee or stuff like that. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I already got the uh, charts loaded here, and um, we'll be getting into those here shortly. Um, I've taken note of last week's performance, and so I guess we'll just jump right into that and get rolling. Um, so. Yeah, and we. And we have some earnings coming up as well, so some some interesting ones. I want to bring it up as well. So yeah, let's get this rolling. All right, perfect. So last week we had positive performance across the board, but you know it was kind of interesting because the first few days of the week, Monday through Thursday, were not net positive. Um, but we ended up, you know, on the plus side, S and P was up almost two percent, just shy at one point nine. The Dow is up one point seven five percent. And respectively, uh, S&P is now up 5.3% on the year, 5.37. Uh, the Dow is basically flat, almost a, a percentage point up, up at 0.74% on the year. NASDAQ, meanwhile, is up 11.68% on the year after the 2.58% weekly return last week. And the Russell is also up 2%, uh, putting it just shy of 10% at 9.48 for the year. Uh, Bitcoin actually had a not so great week, down five percent, down. Uh, but the year is still really nice at a positive thirty-five. Um, looks like you know we we're holding that twenty-two level, the twenty-two k level, nicely for Bitcoin. Um, so that trade is is definitely become interesting after the big big movements here in the last week or so. Um, and then twenty, I've got twenty-one-four below that as an, another level to keep an eye on if twenty-two does break. Um, but yeah, again, gains on Friday really overtook the losses from earlier in the week, and markets finished positive. Absolutely, and uh, I think that was the was I, I was kind of scratching my head on what happened uh, because uh, if you look at the spy, spy was up as you mentioned, uh, the S and P was up close to two percent. Spy was up, I guess, a percent, a little bit over a percent. Uh, they closed at four hundred four. They started the week at three ninety seven. Um, at least from the one-year chart, what I'm looking at is the 391 is still a major support level for SPY, and 418 will be a resistance. What do you see, Nate, on that one? Yeah, the I've got 410 still as a, a tricky level, but I know exactly what you're saying with 418. Um, and when we get looking at the charts, I've got an interesting setup there that um, I'm curious to see how it plays out. So definitely get into more detail. But yeah, the the move last week, um, especially Thursday and Friday, you know, two big green candles getting back above the 50-day. Uh, that's positive movement, but I, I'm not convinced just yet. Yeah, me me neither. Uh, we still have a couple of earnings coming up next week, and I mean, it's mostly the software services companies that are uh, reporting earnings. So I know there's one stock that you have it on the list today, CrowdStrike. They report earnings on Tuesday. You have MongoDB, uh, they report on Wednesday. There's a software company called Asana, they report on Wednesday. And one of my favorites uh, from a retail investment standpoint is DocuSign. I've been tracking that stock for almost more than a year now. So they report earnings on Thursday. And I think uh, the key 
a metric that I want to track at least is what is their future outlook for the next two to three quarters. Uh, that will give us a good insight on how companies, enterprises are willing to whether spend money on new software, expanding their existing suite, or are they doing cost reduction just like laying off employees. So. Yep, I, I'm right there with you. I know we also have Target Friday too. I saw that. Um, uh, uh, the, that's that actually right? Target Hospitality. So it's. Uh, oh, did uh, I misread that? Yeah, it's a Target Hospitality. Uh, the Target reported earnings last week. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, good call. But you do have, but you do have BJ's on Thursday. Uh, so that's a big one. You have JD.com. You have Ulta. Alta has been a very interesting stock for dividend investors. If you like dividend investing, that's that's one of the good stocks you can look into. Uh, let's see some major ones. You have. Uh, did you see? Uh, did you see Paysafe is reporting? Paysafe. Let's see. I don't see. Maybe I missed it. I thought I saw Paysafe this week, but you know, I I honestly just glanced at it. But that's a stock that has been doing nothing but going down, unfortunately, and for those who've been in, but it looks like it's getting some support, and I was, I thought yes, I saw. Yes, they are. They oh, are. Okay. Yes, you're right. Yeah, so we might, it'll be interesting to see if they get any support here uh, on earnings and get a bounce, but I don't have a chart for it today. I just, I came across it. I know some folks have talked about it in the past, and I stopped tracking it, to be honest, because it performed so poorly, but anyways. Okay. Yeah. Nice, nice busy week of earnings this week. Yes, less busy. I think both we have a lot of Chinese stocks reporting earnings um, as well. So I, I think it's dying down. Most of the major companies have already reported earnings. So it's it's uh, it's going to be one off here and there that we are interested in. But yeah, most of the big earnings are done for this season. Yeah, so we'll take a look at that CrowdStrike chart here in a bit. So first up, um, as always, we'll start with SPY. I've got that chart in front of me. Um, so looking at you know, that what I mentioned with the we got. H&S here, head and shoulders with the question mark. Um, you can see the left shoulder potentially form there, right? Getting up around that, just above the 410 level I was talking about. And yeah. uh, then you've got just shy of 420. And then now here we go again. Are we going to push up to form uh, that right shoulder? I mean, I think if we do make a move to the upside here, it is critical that we get above that 420 uh, level and make a new high rel- you know, relative to the recent highs. Um, because otherwise, that really doesn't set up well. It, it's it's a sign of weakness, right? Uh, you know, have less strength on the buyer side and the sellers winning out, and then you would look for a break of that neckline that I've got down by around three seventy eight. Um, so that's what I'm kind of watching. I, you can tell I'm a little bit pessimistic on the overall markets, but um, la- again, the end of last week was really positive. So now that that run to four twenty, I think is you know, in the it's always in the cards, but it seems like it's more in the cards after last week. We'll have to see. What are your thoughts? Yeah. No, I I think you being pessimistic is uh, I think it's it's what how the market is actually perceiving. So I'll actually talk about the options flow here, and and it it will correlate with what you're what you're feeling. So on the call side for March seventeenth, so two weeks out from now, on the call side you have fifty nine thousand contracts expiring at four ten. So that's the level that you are tracking here. But on the put side, this is this is amazing. At 400, you have 113,000 contracts expiring. And at 394, you have 104,000 contracts expiring. So clearly, 
that there is a negative sentiment and i'll tell you why because on march 14th you have the cpi data coming out which means a lot of bears are hoping that you your cpi data will be worse than what we had last month and i think that that's why there's a more push on the bearish side um we i'll touch upon a little bit on the treasury and when we do qqq as well but i think your sentiment i i think i am on the same board i feel like uh the four 18 level is a very critical level they have we haven't seen that breaking out in a while now this is going to be interesting if this can actually form the head and shoulder or will it get rejected from this level yeah interesting that options flow is that's a that's a pretty heavy skew there 59k to the 410 but then 130 and 104k at at 400 394 wow that's uh, that's interesting to watch thanks for that k um, yeah, let's take a look at QQQ. You mentioned that next, and um, seeing this you know, similar setup, uh, you know, quite frankly, it's got the same kind of neckline with the head and shoulders pattern forming. Again, a great push at the end of the week. I noted in the MACD uh, panel down below that you got that curl on the positive side of the of the MACD. So if you get below that midline there, that's a you know, negative divergence, and um, you would expect. You know, drawdown. As you can see, moving backwards and in, in where that's happened historically, or at least over this recent past. And so now we get this curl up right above that line. I, you know, that is a positive sign. It's also bouncing right off of the 150-day moving average, which is just above the 50-day. So all of this is, you know, really setting up nicely for a positive move. If we can keep the momentum going. We've already had the 20-day move across, you know, cross above the 50-day, which I circled there, which is a short-term bullish sentiment. If we can get the 50-day to also cross, um, usually you're looking at the 200-day. So you can get the 50 above the 200, and then you're really looking at something. I've got the 150 here, similar sentiment, right? You've got some good momentum and then medium to intermediate turn. So I'm really watching here. See if we get above that recent high and continue upwards. I think that you know your the options flow you mentioned on spy is is not pointing in that direction. So I, that's interesting to see. And and given that the Nasdaq has had such a big run to start the year, you know, looking at the cues, you'd wonder if that's going to mean if we do pull back, if it's going to be you know more of a harsh situation. Um, but yeah, what are, what are you seeing here, Kay? Um. So interestingly, on the QQQ side, I don't see that skewed options uh, flow. On the call side, we have about 59,000 contracts at 305. You have 74,000 contracts at 310. Same expiration, 317. On the put side, we have 93,000 at 290 and 91,000 at 285. So you can see that the, it's not as skewed as SPY, where it's almost more than doubled on the negative side. Um, so I, I think uh, maybe on the, the maybe the options traders are still speculating that the tech stocks might go up, but what's really concerning for me, um, I, I'm not sure if you follow the the treasury uh, the interest rates, but the yield yeah. on the two year treasury is what 4.86, so it's right. almost hovering closer to the five percent, right? And the ten year is almost 3.95, so hovering the four percent. And if the institutional investors and all these big you know, big money, if that's not going to flow into the companies and they're going to go towards more into uh, more the bonds, the safer route, I, I think we may see a big drawdown in the coming quarters. I, I won't say weeks, but at least in coming quarters. 
Yeah, it's undeniable that once the interest rates are higher and you have that option to earn the money with less, you know, perceive less risk, you have the short term four and five percent opportunities for six and one year bonds. It's it's um, no doubt going to draw money away from the market. So what I'm wondering with respect to the queues is you know, we had such a hard sell off in tech is is the sentiment that we've had enough of selling and. Now it's time to get back in because technology is still leading the way and technology is still where you want to be invested, which would tie into you know my thoughts on semiconductors and biotech leading us into the next bull rally. Um, so I, you know maybe there's some of that mixed in there. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it's it's again another interesting setup. I think that if we had had selling to close out the week last week, I would have been nothing but but bearish, right? But yeah. The big bounce is keeping everything interesting as always. And, and honestly, I do feel that this year is much more difficult to do trading as opposed to the last year, which was more bearish. So you can actually play on the put side and make money. The year before was more on the call side. You can play and make money. This year, it's very difficult. You know, the, the sentiments are showing bearish sign. The stock market is showing bullish sign. You, you just don't know how the trade will go. Yeah, 100% agree. And, you know, I like to use things like the VIX. So let's take a look at VIX next. Um, that's the next chart up in the nest for those following along. And, you know, the way I look at VIX is I'm really trying to understand where the lows are. And are we holding those lows? Or are we moving lower? Or are we making higher lows? Um, it does look like we're starting to make higher lows Depending on where things go Monday, I've got a you know this 18 to 1850 level being where we're bouncing out of pretty pretty strongly recently. Every time it gets there, it's like a you know coiled spring, and you get a big push up in the VIX and some selling in the markets. Um, but you see it bounce right off of the 150-day moving average um, at the top. I'm not huge on moving averages for. Um, when analyzing the VIX, I mean, honestly, I think analyzing the VIX is a bit of a different animal. But it's, do, it's I think it's worth noting that you can kind of see that the 50-day is holding up a little bit. And then when we did break above it, it instantly rejected at the 150-day. So um, I think, though, if we get another uh, coil here at the 18 to 1850 range, we can see it spike again and get some more selling. Um, what are your thoughts on the VIX? Uh, no, absolutely. I, I think I also don't use the moving average, but I do correlate VIX with the fear and greed index uh, that oh, is yeah. available on CNN. Yeah, on CNN. So if you notice, the last week uh, we had the fear and greed index was in greed. Now it's slowly shifting towards neutral. And maybe that is one of the reasons that you are seeing because the options market is showing, uh, you know, a more bearish signs. You're seeing as the interest rates are going up, uh, the bonds, the safe haven, I guess, uh, is looking more lucrative. And I, and I think from now until the CPI gets released and then you have an FOMC meeting on the 21st, I think we may see more more movement and volatility in the wake side. Yeah, this is one that um, I'm paying close attention to. I do like to use it as an indicator. And if, it, if we get a break below 18 meaningfully and it continues lower, then... All bets are off. I mean, I really think you see yeah. a, a rip roar and rally, but I'm, I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket just yet. Absolutely, and and generally, this is for I guess uh, for, for folks who invest or 
uh, you know, buy stocks. I think generally I tend to buy stocks when the VIX is more volatile and I generally don't touch stocks when VIX is uh, almost at, you know, pretty dormant at these levels. Yeah, you know, the, the trading strategy that uh, Joe has talked about on prior, prior uh, spaces that we've spoken about when, when it came to the VIX is utilizing volatility. You know, you, you, you're buying volatility when it's low, and then when it spikes, you're selling and accumulating cash at the same time that stocks are selling off, so you're increasing your buying power. And uh, I yeah. really like that strategy as well. I think we should get a session with Joe just to just on the Wix itself. It's such a broad topic, and there's so many you know uh, intricacies in there, nitty gritties. You know, love to learn from Joe. I agree. Yeah, there's a lot to learn from Joe. We'll have to get that scheduled. Well, moving to the next, we got two more ETFs, and then we get into all the lovely stocks. And uh, so quickly to get through the energy sector here, I just wanted to note the XLE. Um, we got the bounce off of the 82, 92, you know, roughly 83 level. Uh, so that's continuing to hold strong. And then, you know, all week last week, really just one red day, but continue to push higher um, and right up to that 50-day moving average. Uh, the, the MACD has curled upwards, but still a negative, you know, the, the negative territory. Um, but again, relative, relative strength moving up. And if we get above this 50-day moving average, I can see us pull back a test and possibly see the energy sector, you know, trying to get back to 90, 95 here, pretty, or I should say 95, but 90, 93 levels here, uh, again, in the near future. Um, that's really what I see here, but what's interesting, what I wanted to note was, typically if energy is moving up and rates are moving up, stock markets are not moving up, and we've been seeing everything moving up in lockstep, which is, is to your point that you made earlier, Kay, it, it just makes it really difficult to trade. And on the option side, you know, the funny, this is also very funny, uh, the way it's structured. So two weeks out on 317, you're looking at uh, call side. At 88, there are 19,000 contracts expiring. But at 90, you have 41,000 contracts expiring. So your stock is, what, 87 right now. So you're looking at about $3. To, between a dollar and $3, you have about uh, close to 60,000, you know, uh, options expiring. But on the put side, at 85, you have 27,000 expiring, but then and on 80, it's 119,000 open interest contracts expiring. So that kind of, you know, again, shows a more bearish sentiment for the 317. And I'm not sure maybe it's because of uh, the FOMC meeting coming up or the, the, the CPI numbers coming out. Uh, that's what the options flow is showing us. Yeah, I wonder if that's just really hedging you know, considering the level just above it there uh, has been really strong, that if we do get down to that 80, maybe there's just some hedging going on there, and that's why you see heavier options flow. That is interesting to note. Yeah, could be. All right, so uh, the semiconductors. We got a nice bounce at the end of the week. We held the 232 level, so this is ticker SMH, uh, the semiconductor ETF, and the one we've been tracking. Uh, We had the 246 level as strong resistance, Broke above that here recently, and then right back down uh, below. And here we are again trying to retest that level. Notice the 20-day moving average is also sliding in right there. It's you know, a little bit lower, but right in the same spot. So I think that's going to provide some resistance. Uh, so again, with the cues, you know, being in the the technology sector, and same with SMH here, 
we're above the MACD um, you know, midline point, so in the positive territory and curling upwards. So if we do get back above 246.30 here, and we do get above the recent highs, we're gonna, I think we see a push to 260 pretty quick. Um, so that's what I would like to see. Um, that would be hugely positive, I think, overall for the markets, uh, making new highs in the semiconductor sector. Um, and that's, that's, you know, it's not my, hope is not my plan, but it is what I'm got my eyes, you know, looking for here. Do you have any thoughts on the semiconductors uh, sector here? Yeah. Sure. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, as you rightly pointed out, Nate, uh, it's definitely on an uptrend. You know, we are seeing it's making higher highs over here on the chart. Um, and one of the reasons, if you actually look into the individual stocks like Broadcom, Qualcomm, NVIDIA, yeah, sure. they, all re- they all reported great earnings and they all reported pretty bright future outlook. Even though companies are generally stopping on, you know, spending more money, on a lot of things, but they are continuing to expend money on the AI and some of these other, you know, critical initiatives, and that's driving the growth of these semiconductor companies. Now, on the option side, on 317, we see 7,000 calls expiring at 250, which I see over here uh, could be a critical level right above the 246 mark you have. And then on the put side, there is a 7,000 calls expiring at 2.30. So I think you might be right. This might be a hedge or this might be, uh, you know, a debit spread or a credit spread where, you know, they have opened at a $10 range, sorry, a $20 range. Uh, but there's not much on the options, unlike, you know, QQQ or SPY, where we can see a pattern. Uh, these are pretty small uh, contract options. Yeah, you'll notice there's no head and shoulders potential here. I mean, the, we've got, you know, strong movement to the upside. I'll note too that the 20 days crossed above the 50 day, the 50 days crossed above the 150, and no doubt the 200 is sliding in there and has been crossed as well. I bet if I pulled that in, we'd see exactly that. So I see a lot of positive signs in the semiconductors. It's it's where I'm more heavily weighted as far as my bullish stance is concerned. So yeah, I'll be I'll remain constructive and look for the upside, um, but. That's just that's just my two cents on semiconductors, of course. Uh, within that sector, you know, now we're getting into the stocks. One that I pointed out and um, have continued to see really, you know, positive signs is on semiconductor ticker ON. That's the next one we've got. You can see, you know, we talked about this last week where we had trend lines broken, and once they're broken, we get a nice push to the upside. Uh, the trend line that I had drawn at seventy six seventy eight. It proved to you know be broken through, but I think the actual line, and I redrew it this week, was 73.45. And the reason I say that is you know we've we've pushed down and retested, and if you redraw that line, you can see that anything that moved above it quickly retraced to the downside. So I think that's actually more in line right around that 73.50 level um, with respect to prior resistance. And now that being support, we got the bounce off of that level, which is also right where the 50-day moving average was at and looking to push to the upside. So I, I'm watching for this to take a shot moving back up to 90. That would be in line with all the positive signs I saw on SMH. And, you know, again, MACD is in positive territory and looks like it's trying to curl back to the upside with p- plenty of room to run with RSI, the relative strength in, index at the bottom panel there. Uh, plenty of room to get back up to 75 and push this thing higher. So, you know, you can tell I'm, I'm pretty positive here for, for on semiconductor. What are your thoughts here, Kay? 
Um, I think this is a uh, this is definitely one of the great stocks. I would say because especially on the Wall Street as well, uh, we don't have a single sell rating on this stock. Is that uh, right? You have a, yeah, you have seventeen strong buy, three buy, and nine hold. Uh, there's not much call. There's much options flow in this one. It's not one of the very uh, vo- not a volatile, but not a liquid options. You have few hundred here and there. Uh, so I won't. I personally I wouldn't be using this as an options play, but I think for a long term investment or trading, I think this could be one. Uh, what concerns me though, Nate, and you know maybe get your take on this one. Uh, the stock has run up almost what 29% for year to date. And, you know, in your chart, as we can see that this retracement at 73 might be a, might be a, you know, good support line to, you know, add more to your long-term positions, I guess, if you are, if you are a long-term investor. Uh, but I, I somehow, if, if I'm not trading this and investing, um, it's almost trading at its 52-week high, near its 52-week high. So that's, that's my take on this one. Yeah, it's a different style of trading, right? It, or different styles, I should say. So... I like stocks that have got this kind of bottom left, upper right pattern to continue that movement. But you're, but once it's moved this far, you're right, it gets extended. And so you can't expect the same kind of you know, upward momentum at the top end of this chart when you know, that you got it at the bottom end. So I think it's right to be cautious. Um, I think long term, it's proven to be a leader. And in the short term, I think you can make some trades. But you're right. I do think that it's been it's it's had a nice run, and it would be it wouldn't be out of bounds to see it pull back a bit and kind of or you know move sideways even right for quite some time here and let let it kind of rest and catch up with itself. So yeah, I think it's exactly. it's worth noting. Nice, I'm a big fan. I mentioned uh, RMBS is another one in that sector that I, I definitely li- like and have been watching. Maybe I'll pull that back in next week to take a look at. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, but moving on, we've got Crowd this week with earnings. And uh, you, you mentioned that. I've got a pretty basic chart. It's really zoomed out. And you can see that Crowd has, you know, ticker CRWD, CrowdStrike Holdings, has had these spots where they've moved up the trend line, continue to move up a trend line. And then once it breaks, it breaks pretty hard. Um, the last time it broke, it just had nice and orderly selling um, all the way down till we got to this recent trend line that we're on, which is has been nice. We've got the 20-day moving average crossing above the 50. And I see the positive move on the MACD, so I noted that as well. Uh, it's interesting that we're hitting earnings here. Last time that we had a break of a trend line, it was on earnings. You can see a couple of earnings reports previously. And so I think the trade here is if you want to wait for earnings, see if we get a break below and, you know, bad news, selling on some bad news, I I would like to see that continuation, right? That seems to be the pattern here and play for more downside. Um, But if we get good news in a positive bounce, I think it's going to be a big move. You can see it jump right up to that 150-day moving average. That would make sense to me. Um, So... I'm not sure though. Does the options the options market uh, tell you what the implied uh, move is around earnings? Did you take a look at that, Kay? I'm actually looking at it right now, and it's not that liquid either. I mean, you only have few hundred options contract, uh, so it's not giving me any specific uh, data point where I can, you know, at least any pattern. But if I have to, if I had to say. Uh, at the 125, 
uh, on the call side, sorry, sorry, 130 at the call side, you have about 3,700 contracts expiring. Okay. But at each $5 interval, they have 2,000, 3,000 contracts expiring. So I guess everybody is playing a bet at every $5 that it could go up on the March 17th. Because it's it's like three thousand contracts at five dollar interval, another three thousand at five thousand five dollar interval, another three thousand at five thousand interval. So I think nobody. I don't know how how to interpret this data here. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not enough data to get a strong read off of. It's interesting though because I, I you know I hear a lot of discussion around crowd and even in the trading community. So I would have thought there'd be more options action around it, um, but. You know, that being said, I, I'm really looking at the chart here for, as far as the trade is concerned. And again, I think a break of trend is going to be followed by a further downside. And based on history, you know, the, the probabilities would be in your favor if that's what we see. And so that's really the, the trade I would be focusing on here. All right. So what do we have next? Crowd's a good one. Oh, we have CRM, Salesforce. Uh, so, I mean, we could, pro- <laughs> we could probably spend an hour talking about Salesforce. What do, you, what do you have on Salesforce before I talk about the chart? Well, you know, honestly, I think uh, the only one that I wanted to talk about Salesforce specifically because Salesforce saw a massive um, upside because after the reported earnings. And I think the primary reason for the upside was because they're doing a $20 billion stock, you know, stock buyback. But I'm not sure uh, if everybody saw the earnings report or at least dug into the earnings report. Uh, the numbers look fantastic, but during the Q&A, uh, the, the executive team talked about two important parts, and I think that's very important for investors who are investing or even trading. What they said was that it's taking longer time to onboard customers, new customers, and the deal size is getting smaller. And that kind of relates back to what I said a little bit earlier is all these SaaS companies that are going to report earnings next week, what you need to watch if you want to trade or invest in them is how is the next couple quarters looking like. So if enterprises, they are going to cut down on the spending for softwares, which I can see is happening. Um, this would be something that you would want to be careful because right now you have the euphoria, you had the great earnings coming out. They had a blowback quarter. They're doing a $20 billion cash uh, buyback on the stocks. But, you know, if you don't get new customers in and you start to stagnate and deal size gets smaller, uh, investing in the stock for long term, or at least, you know, when I say long term, maybe uh, one to two year, it could be a tough road. So that's what I'm looking at CRM. From options, I don't see much going on. There is a, uh, at 190, there's a 19,000 call options expiring. Uh, and on the put side, there's really not much data. It's like a 2,000 here, a 1,000 there. Uh, so you really can't get a good read on this one for March 17th. Yeah, I noted that in this chart on that great earnings report and the big move up, it stopped right at 190 and stalled out there. I mean, it tried to push above, but it sold back off and is back below, which was prior resistance. So on the technical side, we got right to that level, but stopped. And then it almost was like, okay, we'll give you credit here, but we're not going to fully buy in until we see see more or something to that effect. I mean, that's how I read it. Big gap up, but holding that level. And, um, you know, someone who's worked at, at companies that are publicly traded um, and understand how the quarterly re- earnings reports go, um, I really want to see this cons- 
this consecutive quarters being consistent. That's hard to say. Uh, but consistency over the next couple of quarters uh, <laughs> is what I'm really trying to, what I'm really looking for. Because, you know, I you can pull numbers in and you could you can really, you know, do things in one quarter to make the books look a lot better um, just by, you know, working with vendors and suppliers and working with your customers with respect to advanced payments and what have you. So it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain, you know, quarter over quarter numbers and, and move higher. Agreed, yeah. Good stuff. Um, I've got Tesla next. Nobody cares about Tesla, right? Nobody trades Tesla. Oh, my God. Nobody, nobody cares about Tesla. They just had an investor day, and the stock took a dump right after that. So, yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got this one line still drawn at 206.85. I mean, you can plus or minus a dollar there. It does not really matter. Uh, that, that 205 level, you could call it, has been tough to get back above since dropping below. Um, we're continuing to trade below that, and I've got the gap fill noted down below. I, I'm targeting 146.50 to go fill that gap. Um, I do think that that could provide a bounce, and, and we can move higher off of that. And maybe the 50-day prevents the gap from completely filling, and that provides support. Um, but yeah, the 150-day moving average above has been resistance, and there's been no no shortage of resistance. Yeah, absolutely. And I, also, I feel like Tesla, from an options perspective, is one of the most liquid stocks that you can you know trade on. Uh, you have opportunities on a weekly basis with a stock like Tesla. Uh, on on a more uh, long term view, I think one sixty five and two hundred four. I am really targeting as key levels for myself um, to mostly you know uh, add on to my position. Uh, but pretty much, I guess you know Tesla is something that you know Elon Musk says something, does something, and you can see a direct impact on Tesla. So he has that much power. In fact, that he has a power on Bitcoin and others as well. But yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. It, it, it's a it's never a dull day when Elon's on the mic, and, <laughs> and the stock moves accordingly, right? Uh, we'll have to get him on space sometime. I've seen him on on Wolf's space. I don't see why he wouldn't get on our space. Why not? <laughs> I'll send a few invites. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, so uh, next up I've got DraftKings, another one that's got some good movement to it. Had a good earnings report recently and gapped up. And now has notably closed that gap quickly and has bounced off of the 18 level, which is also where the 20-day moving average is. It's also where this trend line I've drawn in is, is slid in, and we've bounced nicely off of. I can see a pullback in, in retesting that line, but ultimately I think we're moving back up to 20. Uh, we've got March Madness going on, so the basketball watching is peaking. I know everybody I talk to is you know, getting more and more excited about that, and you know the majority of those folks are also betting on it. So um, I, I noticed that the MACD is is very positive but we've got the negative convergence where the uh, we got the crossover here so that could look at that we could see a a bit of a dip which is why i think we could come back to that trend line but ultimately i think march helps us move higher um do you have any thoughts on DraftKings, Kay? yeah on the option side interestingly that the 20 dollar you have thirty-seven thousand contracts expiring in fact almost forty thousand contracts expiring uh, so that's that's a huge number, and the reason it's huge number because generally the contracts are three twenty nine, four seventeen, a thousand contract here, four hundred there. 
So something like a 37, 38,000 contract expiring on a particular strike price in the next two weeks, I think kind of relates to the March Madness you were referring to. Yep, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I like to trade DraftKings this time of year around both the Super Bowl and the basketball hype in March, February, March, and here we are again watching it move up to start the year. Um, I have historically noted that you get some pretty big pullbacks during this time as well, so you know, just trade cautiously and accordingly is what I would say there. Is this one of your favorite stocks to trade, uh, Nate, DraftKings? It is, and um, the reason being is the, the big movement you can get in a single day. You can see some of these candles are pretty pretty wide. And then the options premiums um, fluctuate pretty nicely as well. So as someone who likes to sell options, um, that premium can get pretty fat pretty quick. And you can, you know, bring in some good cash selling against those against the hundred share, you know, positions. So yeah, I do. I'm gonna actually. Look, go ahead. I'm gonna add that in my watch list uh, if the if the options premiums are amazing. Yeah, they they really do move quite a bit, so you can get some nice premiums selling DraftKings. So that's you know, it's always on my radar, and uh, I actually like it for the long term as well. Um, and given that. You know, if we if I get a good move up and I can continue to add to the position, then that's what I'll do. So, um, Melly Mercado Libre is one that we haven't really spoken about, um, but I've I, I like to pull this in as something that I like for a long term position. Are you familiar with Melly? Um, I, the only I only know this much. I believe they are the they are like similar to Amazon for Latin America. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct, and it's it's. Just like Amazon sprawling, just really trying to get into every space is what I'm understanding. So it's not just one piece of the marketplace, but really multiple. And uh, so yeah, Shopify has been had it's had a rough go of it, but it looks like we get a, we have a little bit of a rounding bottom pattern here. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to see a little bit more upside, but we do have potential for a double top at this 1221 level. Uh, so we we rejected there recently. We're back there again but stalled out a bit. Uh, so we really need to see more upside, a positive move here uh, along with markets next week would be you know, really constructive. Um, but if we get another reversal, I, I don't know about you, Kay, but when I see a double top, uh, I don't usually look for a triple top. I look for a bit of downside at that point. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I, I, I try to avoid stocks, especially you know, if I'm seeing it as a trend and also on the options the flow, I don't see much much liquidity here either. It's like, the open interests are like one open interest, 26, 2, 19, 47. They really have very low open interest. Uh, so the stock is not, I guess, on the options, it's not very popular. Yeah, I think, too, given the stock price. Um, so, you know, we have, we've had stocks like Shopify that were similarly priced, and then they did a reverse split, and that helped with the options flow. Um, I think that you get the same thing here with Melly, but in reverse where you won't get as yeah. much much interest and it's not as on the radar as a Shopify or an Amazon as well. Exactly. And the bid and ask is that the gap is massive, right? You know, uh, one is between 240 and 820. Like that's a massive spread between the bid and ask. Yeah, probably not a great options trade, but for a long-term position, I do like I do like Mercado Libre. Uh, again, ticker MELI. Um, so Melly here, if it gets above this 1221, I think it's constructive if you've been waiting to see, you know, if this is a good spot to add or if you're really 
just kind of being patient and seeing if we move lower. I think if we get a rejection at 1221, you can be patient and watch it go, you know, all the way down possibly to that 1000 level or 1100 level again. But if we get a move above, I think that that's a nice positive confirmation and uh, it's a little bit less risk getting in at that point from a longer term position. That's my two cents anyways, being the non-professional that I am. <laughs> we are all non-professionals, not a financial advice. That's correct. I'll tell you what, um, one I got right and got right in a big way has been First Solar. And this is one where you can just watch the chart play out in front of you. That's ticker FSLR. And, you know, this is a simple pattern that if you can spot it and trade it, uh, it can be very lucrative. In this case, it really took off last week, uh, which has been amazing to see. A nice volume spike, a nice earnings report. Um, but the point here is the trade is all around prior uh, resistance becoming current support. And when you see that support being retested, that's when you're taking your trade or accumulating your shares. And we talked about last week right here at the 161.50 level being a nice spot to get in, especially with the 50-day sliding in there and providing additional support. And sure enough, big move to the upside. Now we've got a gap that you know may be filled. After a move this big, it's always interesting to see if the gap actually gets filled. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty happy with for solar here. It's, it's really been working nicely. Um, any thoughts on this, Kay? Yeah, this is this was this is a massive upside. You had what twenty eight percent in one week. It went up. Yeah, and, yeah uh, roughly uh, up. Right, and the, the, this is highest level since two thousand and eight. So th this is also probably one of the big, uh, you know, news because you know this happened. And then they actually got a buy rating from they used to be neutral by UBS, and they got a buy rating. So I, I think this is a, I think in general, all these renewable energy companies are eventually going to start seeing more spikes as, as the world tries to shift away from your traditional sources of energy to more renewable. And I think FSLR could be one of a good, I mean, if not trading, at least from a long-term investment perspective. Yeah. I think I'll definitely be looking into it. Yeah. I, I'm, it's, I, I'm so fortunate that I literally had... Um, uh, someone in my DMs mentioned it to me. He said, hey, what do you think about for solar? And this was years ago. And I, you know, in a different account even. And, um, you know, I just said, you yeah, know, let me take a look here. And the, the chart then was starting to show positive signs, but, you know, nothing like what we've been seeing over the last year, year and a half. And it's been really great. And hopefully I've, I've lost touch with that individual um, since then, but hopefully they stayed in and cause they had a nice position and they, they should be doing really well at this point. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye here and um, see, see how this one works. But for solar is squarely on the list. All right. So Vale is what I have next, which I learned I am pronouncing correctly last last time we spoke <laughs> about it, which is great. And uh, what I noted here is we got to bounce right around that $16 level again. Um, so yep. nice support there and uh, back above the 20 day. Um, what are your thoughts on this one, Kay? Uh, so I think uh, I, I want to take a look a little bit from a long term standpoint on Wally uh, yeah. because I do have long term position. I do have long term leave calls on this one. But uh, they most recently did an uh, investor presentation and a couple you know, good points that came out is they foresee that by 2030, the steel production is going to go up massively. 
and of course the steel production goes up that means the iron you need more iron ore and they are one of the big suppliers of iron ore so the reason they said that is one is by 2030 they are estimating the steel production to more than double in southeast asia they are expecting almost between 150 to 200 million people migrating from rural china to uh, the the urban china and when that happens you need more infrastructure of course infrastructure is built by iron so you know it kind of you can expect the, that to increase demand and because china is the biggest market for Huawei as well and then they are also expecting about a 90 million new jobs to be created non-farm jobs in india so you're looking at the the the, the central the china india and southeast asia you are going to see a major iron ore demand in the next, uh, you know, five, I would say seven, seven to eight years. And Wale is kind of banking on that. And as they are ramping up their uh, iron ore uh, capacity uh, across their different sites. So I think from a long-term perspective, great stock. Uh, they do have high yield in the dividend aspect, but the problem is that their dividends are very erratic. Uh, you do get some special dividends here and there. Uh, but from an options perspective, it's it's I like playing options, but I like playing the leap options on this one more than the trade like uh, debit spread or credit spreads. Um, and so that's that's really my view. Uh, from an options perspective, on 317, you can see they are more bullish. You have 50,000 calls expiring at 20, whereas you have on the put side only 11,000 expiring at 16. So you could say it's a little bit more bullish. Uh, and that's what I see on uh, Wale from my side. Yeah, I really like your perspective there in the long term. And uh, it's very constructive here. It's moved up nicely. And now that we're back at this level, I think it's a decent spot to add for a long-term position. Okay, really quick, before we get to the last chart, um, I wanted to give a shout-out to one of our listeners. Um, he's been posting comments. So if anybody's been paying attention, at Seeger Kershaw has been uh, making some really strong comments up there. I appreciate that. I agree, by the way, that we've got the NASDAQ has already – you know, taking some hits. So that was one of the comments made earlier. Um, and, you know, I'd missed that case. So I wanted to double back. Also, fundamentals on for uh, ticker ON uh, noted being strong in, in Kershaw's opinion. So, yeah, I like to see that as well. Um, the Q's curling up looking good in your opinion as well, Kershaw. Love to see it. So we'll have to see what next week plays out, play, how it plays out. Um, but definitely appreciate the comments there and you know, it's, it's been nothing but interesting this year. And, you know, Kate, it's like you said, it's a, tr it's difficult to trade these markets, but if you're learning in these markets and you're trading them well, or even halfway decently, uh, at some point you're, you have to sit back and realize you're learning a ton. And when the markets start trading in a little bit more orderly fashion, um, you should really reap the benefits. Absolutely. And thank you, Kershaw. I think those are some very valuable comments and I agree with you, Nate, on this one. Yeah, it's good stuff. So last chart of the day is SoFi, ticker S-O-F-I, and a popular one, popular ticker to trade, both you know long-term and the short-term. And uh, myself, I, I'm looking to get back in SoFi. I sold calls and then had my shares called away. It's part of my covered call portfolio strategy, so that was fine by me. Uh, but again, looking to get back in there. And... Right now, what I'm seeing is that trend line since, since the big spike, we're moving downwards, we got right back to that trend line, and it uh, looks like that's also where the 20-day moving average has come in and provided some resistance. So I can see continued selling here for SoFi, just moving down to close that gap 
uh, completely, which, you know, once we do, it looks like the 50-day moving average would be sliding in right there. So if that played out, we'd have support from the 50-day. We'd have support from the gap fill. And I've mentioned in past uh, spaces that once you fill that gap, you tend to see a reversal. And so that's what I'd be looking for here with SoFi and a move back up above six, the 650 level once we do. Uh, but I don't think we're... I think there's a lot of downward pressure until that gap is filled or this trend line is broken. One or the two I, I want to see first before I would get too constructive on more moves higher. Um, have you have you really looked at, um, oh, you know, I should have removed my RSI overbought. It's no longer overbought. That was previous previous note I noticed there in the bottom panel. But Kay, have you uh, taken a look at SoFi? Do you have any comments here? Yeah. Yes, so SoFi is also one of, just like Wale, SoFi is one of my, one of the major stocks that I like to uh, invest, trade, uh, options, everything. Uh, so I see that you have the prior resistance support, 5.8. Uh, I'm actually tracking 5.96 and 7.01. Those are my key levels, at least nice. on the on the, fib, on the fib level, I can see those. Uh, but interestingly, on the SoFi, and, and I track SoFi specifically, I, I'll share this with you um, and the audience. So we had these major price targets for SoFi, and, and I'll go from the bearish to the more bullish ones, the latest one. So Morgan Stanley has a price target for one year at $5. You have $6 for Oppenheimer, JPMC, Redbush. You have 7 to 7.5 between Goldman Sachs and Piper Sandler. But the most recent one was Misuho that they have a price target of $9. They used to be $5 by then, so they, that was a big change in perspective for the analyst at Mizuho. What we are also seeing is that uh, as the interest rates rise, you will see more and more uh, people kind of getting interested in putting the money in the savings account because now the APR is what, 3.75%? Right, right. So, right. And SoFi kind of gives you uh, more uh, bang for your buck. Sometimes if you can pair up with a couple other uh, promo offers, you can get up to three, four, five hundred dollars in just opening a new bank account. So they are targeting that kind of a new uh, customer acquisition. It's a very interesting stock. It's on the long term. I'm very bullish, but I also want to be careful as an investor or a trader. Uh, generally, a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I make videos on YouTube as well, but I do see that there is a lot of pumping going on in SoFi. Every time you get you folks, they love a stock, they just pump the stock. But I think it's important to look at the chart. And Nate, as you said right now, there is a downward pressure on this one. And as the broader market gets impacted on the SPY and QQQ, you just cannot have stocks just ripping higher. Um, but uh, those are some of my thoughts on the SoFi. It's a very, it's a very interesting company. They call it. AWS of the fintech space, so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm thinking positive for your long-term position there, and uh, I like that you got both both of our last two tickers here in your portfolio. It's good stuff. Well, that that's it for this week, Kay. As always, it's it's been a blast. I feel prepared for next week. I feel like I've learned something. Any uh, last comments or thoughts for the the audience today? Well, my only will be, you know, trade safely, uh, learn as much as you can, and have fun. Yeah, always have fun. You don't want to burn yourself out. And, yeah, I agree. Trade safely. Trade small so you can trade often. And uh, we'll look forward to next week. If you have any requests for tickers to review, uh, send them to either one of us. We'll be happy to take a look and get them added to the list. Uh, thanks again to Kershaw for your comments and your contributions this week. And uh, have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Kay.